With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello and welcome to another edition of Bring on the Podcast. Today, Drew Schneider is going to be joining us. Drew's been doing a lot of great work for us, writing about kind of everything in case athletics. Really appreciate your work, Drew, and thanks for filling in today. No problem, man. Uh, appreciate y'all reading it. Yeah, yeah. And so um, we're going to talk about the, the Iowa State game. And I, I think it was pretty fitting, actually, that I was, I was getting ready for this podcast and I spilled my coffee a little bit. So it seemed appropriate for this game. <laughs> but yeah. uh, I guess, you know, first off, I do want to give credit where credit is due. Iowa State really looked like a, a great team yesterday. I've never seen Brock Purdy play that well, especially for an entire game. I know that's what Brees Hall does every week, which makes it really hard to watch given the K-State recruiting saga with him. But I don't know. I mean, how impressed were you with, with Iowa State yesterday? I mean, they ran their stuff. That's what they – anything they wanted to do, they uh, accomplished for the most part. And they looked pretty, you know, well-disciplined on offense. Hall was, you know, almost impossible to get on the ground without three or four people coming in. And, uh, yeah, Purdy was uh, throwing strikes. So that was the yeah. best-case scenario for Iowa State. Yeah, and then, I mean, defensively, Mike Rose was definitely as good as that player yeah both of the both of their linebackers i felt like really rose and i i'm having trouble remember the other guy's name but they they both gave k-state fit but rose especially was just all over the place yeah yeah so do you think that's a team that can can beat texas and win the regular season title i don't that's like i would never bet for or against texas like they're on my <laughs> list of teams that I would never ever wager on because I yeah. mean talent wise Texas is you know Iowa State certainly isn't going to blow Texas off the field but is Texas going to show <laughs> up is, is Texas's defense going to play I mean Texas goes out and plays their A game they can beat Iowa State I would say probably you know Six or seven out of ten yeah. times. But who knows if Texas may, but Texas or Texas only shows up with their A game, you know, three out of every six games. So it's yeah. hard to hard to yeah. say. But definitely a team that could beat Texas. I wouldn't, like I said, wouldn't bet that on <laughs> either of those games. Yeah, and I mean Brock Purdy's had some really terrible halves, especially in against Baylor and pretty bad game with Louisiana. So he's been kind of up and down. He seems to be getting better at that, but. Yeah, he's super streaky. Like you can, I feel like you can usually tell what kind of game he's gonna have after <laughs> by the end of the first quarter. If he's if he's on, yeah. he's on. But if he's not, he can throw out serious clunkers. Yeah, yeah. So to turn our attention to to Kansas State, you know, one thing I thought of yesterday is I don't know if you're familiar with the. the famous quote from Bill Snyder. You know, in, back in the early days when his teams weren't winning a lot. A uh, reporter supposedly asked him, you know, hey, coach, can can you at least be happy with the effort the guys gave? You didn't quit out there. And he said something to the effect of, they don't let you quit. 
<laughs> but right. I mean, yesterday it it almost felt like a state got as close as you can get in offense uh, after that first drive. There just wasn't a whole lot there. Yeah, you know that first drive was promising, right? The right right into the very end, right? Yeah. Yeah. Just on the goal line, and you sort of wonder if the if the game was uh, would have played out differently, at least on offense, if they'd have managed to actually feel good about themselves coming off the field. I wouldn't say quit, but I think just in general, it looks like a discouraged team out there with everything that's been going on around the program. It did look like they needed something good to happen early, and when when they didn't get that, it just all sort of fell apart. Yeah, and then so that you mentioned that you know inside the five case they didn't score on first and goal from the three. You know, a lot of people, including myself, were, were questioning the choice to let Will Howard have those two runs on the, on the last two plays. You know, we've talked about this before on podcasts, certainly, but how much of the blame do you put on Courtney Messingham for this offensive struggles? For on that particular drive, yeah, I didn't like the back-to-back Howard runs. But at the same time. He's really the power back in the offense now, uh, strangely enough. He's sort of taken over that role. So, I mean, he's a big, big dude. I'm uh, really more disappointed that the offensive line, that interior offensive line, couldn't get any movement three times in a row because it wasn't wasn't like they were running slow developing plays. You you should be able to slam into the back of your center four times in a row and get three yards with a 240-pound quarterback. So, I mean, some of that, is, the offensive line is, is just not moving guys out of the way. And that's weird against Iowa State because they're not really a big team inside. They really focus more, you know, they have a big nose guard, but everybody else is in their scheme is sort of quicker uh, as opposed to sort of big run stuffers. So, they don't. They're not great at these goal line stands. They don't have a great personnel, but they just stood up the offensive line four times in a row. But as far as Messingham goes, like I said, it's just this year is so weird. I think he's done some good yeah. things earlier on in the season. But I think he's running out of ideas, and there's only so much you can sort of wallpaper over when there's just some serious talent deficits out there at the moment as well. Yeah, and you didn't have Malik out there, and then I know probably Moore was on the field, but I doubt that he was all that close to 100% yesterday. Yeah, so. he didn't look didn't look great. And then, like I said, the offensive line didn't look great. Nobody covered themselves <laughs> yeah. in glory yesterday. Yeah, yeah. And then, you know, Will Howard, obviously, he is still a true freshman. Uh, we talked a lot about how he has the look of a quarterback. He's got the size. He looks to have good mechanics. But, you know, at what point do we start to get concerned that we're not maybe seeing a lot of growth from him as far as, you know, making plays and, and reading defenses? Yeah, the reading defenses is a, is a little concerning where he makes some decisions where you just go, oh, I don't know what he was like you must like you, I look at some of the stuff like he must just not have seen that player like he must not have seen the linebacker like there's no way he saw mm-hmm. that and threw that pass so yeah. you know and that some of that's just being a true freshman I don't know what sort of scheme he sort of came out of high school a lot of them are 
you know, one look, a lot of high school offenses are one read, sort of primary receiver, is he open? No, run the ball. And I think he did a lot of, looked like he probably did a lot of that in high school. And he's trying to, you know, go through some progressions a little quicker now. And he's just not seeing it great. And that's something that, in theory, experience should improve, but it doesn't in some guys. I watched my brother-in-law yeah. went to Tennessee, and so we watched a lot of Tennessee games. I watched a lot of Tennessee <laughs> games. So it talks Mac, and their quarterback, Garantano, is the same. He just he just doesn't see the field, and it, it, sometimes it reminds me a little bit of Howard Washington, where he just he throws a pass, and you're going, "What? What are you doing?" <laughs> but he's been doing it for for three years, so. You know, yeah. some guys have it and some guys don't. And I don't think we're far enough into the Will Howard experience to definitely, you know, say he doesn't have it. But definitely, you know, some concern there. doesn't seem to come naturally for him, let's say. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, it would be interesting to see him with some more capable receivers, too. But Capable and healthy. Right now. Yeah. Yeah, like I'm trying to figure like I guess Taylor's really the only guy that I feel like he's got a decent rapport with where I think he knows where Taylor's gonna be a lot of the time and is sort of comfortable throwing it out there to him. I don't feel like he's comfortable with a lot of the receivers and so he maybe doesn't anticipate throws, so he's not real sure where they're gonna be, so he's letting the ball go a little late and yeah, I mean, when you let it go late, that's when you get picked off. And I think some of what I sort of see with Howard is just not a lot of confidence in where his guys are going to be on any given play and really having to, instead of throwing guys open or throwing it to a spot and knowing they're going to be there, he's really trying to throw it to the player. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. And I, it, that's not mm-hmm. the not the best way to go about it. Yeah, I mean, one play that stuck out to me yesterday, probably one of Howard's better throws, was when he threw it downfield into a pretty tight window to Deuce Vaughn. He almost made up, came up with an incredible catch. The defender made a great play to kind of knock it out of his hands. But, you know, I I wish that one would have worked and maybe they they would have kept throwing to Deuce Vaughn down the field because it seems like that's something that that has been effective this year they've kind of gotten away from. Yeah, I, I'm sort of looking through some of the film. I haven't watched the I haven't watched the replay of the Iowa State game since watching it the first time was painful enough. But uh, <laughs> yeah. other teams yeah. have really tried to take that away. They're bracketing Vaughn with like yeah. a linebacker and a safety and over the top, um, which I'm not sure why other teams didn't do that after Oklahoma, but they. Uh, <laughs> They seem to have are really working on whenever he goes out in the pattern, he's drawing a lot of attention. Even that pass you were talking about where Howard threw it in a real tight window. I mean, he was Vaughn was basically triple covered. Yeah. I'm thinking yeah. of the same the same yeah. play where so he's getting a ton of attention and that makes sense. I mean, that's mm-hmm. basically how Kansas State won three games, so other defensive coordinators are gonna see that and take it away if they're any good. And uh, I feel like the last yeah. couple, three games, they've had some decent defensive coordinators just say, you're going to have to beat us on something other than your freshman running back running, you know, angle routes all game. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the same thing. Him running the ball, too, is just not a lot of openings. And it seems like in Pelkey State can get some other decent weapons. 
think it doesn't matter how good Deuce is, he's not going to be able to go a lot of places. Yeah, you know, not and the way you stop Deuce Vaughn is you make him run sideways and then, you know, chop him down. And that's what, that's what I, you know, I've been seeing is they're not letting him turn the corner. They just keep pushing him, keeping leverage, and just pushing him, pushing him, pushing him until he runs out of space and then tackle him with two or three yeah. guys. And, you know, earlier in the season, I don't think there, people were quite giving him that respect and they were trying to go out and sort of make individual tackles on him. I see a lot more teams really just containing him, pushing him back, keeping the edge, and there's not a lot. Plus, you got to think he's hitting a, a little bit of a freshman wall, too. I don't think mm-hmm. I didn't expect him to come in and be the lead back, and I, I'm pretty sure he probably didn't come in and expect to be the primary ball carrier either. You know, he's just taken. He, he's resilient, and he you know he gets up, but that's a lot of hits on a guy his size uh, <laughs> that sort of accumulate. So he may not. I don't think he's quite as explosive now as say he was, you know, against Oklahoma or uh, some of those other games just due to some wear and tear and freshmen slowing down. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's fair. And then I guess we'll switch the other side of the ball. I think you got to start with, I mean, the impact of missing Justin Hughes and Elijah Sullivan seemed pretty huge, you know, um, I mean, it was Daniel green and, and the other guy, I can't remember his name. Did uh, a decent Fletcher. job, but yeah. Fletcher, yeah. But I mean, just missing those two seniors and not just their abilities, but you got to figure the intangibles too and the leadership they bring was pretty sorely missed yesterday. Right. That was, I think you probably hit on the second thing. I feel like Green Green and Fletcher aren't a huge step back. I think out of all of them, I think Green may be the most physically talented. But as far as just leadership and experience and sort of, you know, making the plays when absolutely has to be made. I think that was obviously a huge hole there in the defense. The spirit of that team yesterday did not look great. And, uh, you know, missing some of the key leaders, I feel like definitely hurt the defense a lot. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, one of the big things is, you know, this defensive line has been pretty good all season, putting pressure on quarterbacks, and they haven't really let guys scramble too much other than kind of early in the KU game before they figured that guy out. But yesterday it seemed like Brock Purdy was just doing whatever he wanted, whether it was sit back in the pocket and pick out the secondary or, or just or scramble and make runs. I mean, kind of what was, what was the difference yesterday? Why weren't they getting that pressure? Yeah, I – I feel like we there wasn't definitely wasn't consistent pressure, and when there was pressure, it was just from like one spot. So maybe Huber pressures, but there's nothing on the other yeah. side, so he can just sort of roll out. And the defensive line got dominated, and mm-hmm. I and you know, again, it's, some of it is just at this part of the season. And I was a little worried about this. I think I wrote a piece when we were four and zero, saying that maybe we should really sit back and enjoy the fact that they're 4-0 and be kind of impressed with what's happened so far. I kind of wrote that feeling that there was going to be a bit of a course correction over the next three games, and uh, that's uh, obviously happened. The defense is, you know, papered over. There's a lot of holes. It's super thin. It came into this season really thin on the inside, and that obviously hasn't gotten any better. <laughs> Hubert's been hit and miss. I feel like he really needs 
he really needs somebody next to him like he had last year to sort of help him out. Uh, I feel like playing next to Deshaun last year who commanded some more attention and he was able to give a few more one-on-one opportunities to pass rush against the tackle. He's more of a power rusher than he is a speed rusher anyway. And so I feel like that his, his teams have done a pretty good job of not letting him just bull rush in because they're just they're not really worried about what's going on in the interior, so they're just seeing another guard out on him, and uh, he can't get that push that he was getting last year. But yeah, just pretty much total domination in that front seven. Iowa State was getting mm-hmm. their offensive line was coming off the ball and knocking us back, and uh, like you said, even when. You know, we'd had opportunities to get Pert to Purdy. We weren't getting him on the ground. Uh, he was escaping and then yeah. finding a lot of room out there to run. Yeah. I guess one thing you could say, if you, if you squint real hard and you're looking for a positive, is the defense kind of maybe showed some more fight in the second half. I mean, I'm sure some of that not the guess, but, you know, they, they they made a few plays at least, so... Yeah, they hung in. They hung in. I don't feel like they they tapped out. It could have been worse, uh, if, mm-hmm. which is hard to imagine. If, <laughs> yeah. if they have given out, they were showing some sort of fire out there, and I felt like the uh, the secondary. I don't feel like the secondary was a huge problem. Uh, I think we mentioned at the start. Uh, Purdy was throwing strikes. A lot of those passes that he were completing were pretty well covered. I think, you know, of course, part of the problem is it's easy to throw strikes when you can just stand there and load up and yeah. get rid of it without having to worry about getting hit or getting out in open space and being able to sort of pick your target. And But I think the secondary at least wasn't a negative where I didn't say I think they played a terrible game. I don't feel like Kansas State was just absolutely cutting receivers loose. Mm-hmm. Um and again, I'm really that first touchdown. The, the coverage could have been better, but I yeah, actually, I don't know who that was. He was a little lost on that play, but yeah. And you know, I guess kind of to to wrap this up, though, to go back to what you were saying. I mean, if you would have told me this team was going to be four and four at the start of the season, like probably would have would have taken that. You know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. This is uh, just. Even when we started the season, the start of the season before all of this happened, I was just sort of looking at it going, there's not, like, things are going to have to break right for this team. And nothing has broken, like, everything has just been terrible. <laughs> and especially over the last few weeks, because it's not a super talented team. The offensive line, yeah. which is usually their strength, is just super, uh, just, you know, young, really. And it hasn't really worked out. We've got Duffy out there playing left tackle right now. And, I mean, he started the year as, like, I think he started the year projected, like, starting right guard. And so that's that's not ideal. And it was just things are falling apart. And I think, like you said when we started, the offense did not have a whole lot of fight. And some of that, you know, obviously credit to Iowa State or taking it out of them, but man, not a lot of whole, not very many things went right, and some of the effort plays, I feel like, were not quite what we were used to seeing. Yeah, I want to say, you know, one thing that, that definitely went right for Kansas State this season, 
was getting Oklahoma in the Big 12 opener because, you know, not yeah. only was that when we had Skylar Thompson, but also it was kind of really before that Oklahoma team and especially the offense kind of totally hit its stride. So I don't even want well, to think about well, what they would do to this Kansas State defense right now. I think we got lucky that Lincoln Riley was trying to keep uh, what's his Rattler in the Heisman yeah. conversation. Uh, <laughs> And, yeah. and trying to inflate his stats in the second half instead of just uh, running the ball and winning that football game. Because <laughs> let's face it, Lincoln Riley blew that game, and if it wasn't for terrible coaching, Oklahoma <laughs> would have won. Yeah, yeah, I think that's fair. I, I think if you, I, if I coached that game or you coached that game in the second half, Oklahoma would have won because we would have <laughs> handed the ball off three times and punted it, and Kansas State wouldn't have enough time to win the game. So. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. And then I guess, you know, the other thing is just with the pandemic and all the thing, the Oscars or whatever's during the season, that at least the 45-0 loss doesn't quite sting as much as it would in a normal year, I feel like. It certainly doesn't feel good, but it doesn't. No, no, and like sort of, again, it's sort of like, I go back to what I've said about Kansas State. The beginning of the year before the first game, I Consider this year a bonus year and enjoy the fact that we're getting any football. This is uh, just some of the toughest circumstances to have to even try to coach around. I don't know if you can – and I, I know the uh, Courtney Messingham uh, sentiment is not uh, great right now. The feelings of, about him are not great. I think it's just so hard to judge any of the coaches right now because yeah. practices have been so – you know, this team needs practice, and it didn't get any practice as far as I know the last week, right? Oh, um, yeah. With all the players uh, being out, they didn't even know if they were going to have enough to play so until late. So that's just in the defense is the same thing and just sort of hemorrhaging players on the transfer portal and, you know, with what happened with, you know, the tragedy with Newton and just this team has taken some psychological brutal hits to go along with the global pandemic. Uh, So, so I think we're trying to hold it together as best we can, but uh, you can sort of see the bailing wire and bubble gum falling off this thing and it's not holding together anymore. Yeah. And I mean, that kind of all ties into a comment that that Chris Kleinman said yesterday uh, after the game it was something to effect of you know these guys need to do a better job of holding each other accountable on and off the field and you know i don't think it takes a genius to figure out with the 76 guys they've had with covid that means they're probably not following the covid protocols as well as they could you know maybe some other things but i mean i feel like chris Kleiman is not a guy that that's going to be calling his players out a lot so if he's saying yeah. something like that then then it must be getting pretty bad right yeah I mean, you've got to wonder how much of this is tied around Halloween, going out to Halloween parties, especially I think most of the guys that were sick were the, or in the protocol at least were the younger guys uh, on the team that he, you know, he kept saying that we wanted to get these guys involved and get them more touches, but can't because they're either out through contact tracing or tested positive. And, you know, it's just, it's tough, man. I look back and think, God, I mean, I'm almost 40 now, but 
when I was 18, 19, I was not making the best choices yeah. personally. And I think if you were to tell me at 18 or 19, oh, you can't go out, you, you know, you have to stay in, in your bubble. I, I, I'm not sure how how great I would have been at following those protocols either. So I have some definitely some empathy for those guys who are, you know, trying to live the college. What they thought coming into college was the college lifestyle they were getting into and then basically everything being shut down. So, but yeah, at the same yeah. point, it's pretty ridiculous just how many, how much of an impacted Kansas State has been even you know, when you sort of look around the country and, and yeah. you know, there's some teams that have also really struggled with it, but it feels like all oh, the teams I cover, Clemson, I mean, K-State. Yeah, just look at, look and, at Iowa State. The contrast this week was, was pretty huge. I mean, they've yeah. only had it, like a handful of cases. So Yeah, and that's sort of been the way with Purdue as, as well. They've had a, a handful of cases. I know the coach, head coach, was one of those, but as far as major players missing, there hasn't been a bunch. Uh, yeah. Clemson's sort of been hit and miss with it. Obviously, Trevor Lawrence going down, but but from week to week, it may be one guy or two guys or three guys, but not you know twelve to fifteen. Yeah. So and, I, I think you know. Kind of, it's hard to know because, like, some of it, yeah, I'm sure is irresponsibility and guys making bad decisions, putting themselves in bad positions. But also, some of it is just bad luck, you know, with this virus. Yeah. You never really yeah. know. And I mean, it, coaches it, it can't really babysit is. everybody. And yeah, it's hard. And, you know, one guy makes a bad choice, and, yeah. you know, four or five other guys who make good choices may, you know, be mm-hmm. uh, taken out by just somebody. You know, going out to a restaurant to eat dinner one night. It's so it's uh, yeah. it's hard it's hard to really say. Yeah. Oh, you know, yeah. But I, I understand. I'm sure climate is extremely frustrated right now because yeah. you know he's he's built around you know discipline and building a program the right way and practice and execution and he doesn't have you know his guys on the practice field to do that. So I, I feel like. He sort of feels like he's coaching with, you know, both hands tied behind his back right now, probably. Yeah. And, I mean, yeah, he's got to be as mad as anybody. I know I was looking back at his career, and I know, obviously, they had a bunch of great teams in North Dakota State, so this kind of makes sense. But, you know, in the first 103 games of his head coaching career, which includes 10 games as a head coach at some weird small college in 2006 or something, but he had never lost a game by 20 points. And now two of his last three losses obviously have been blowouts like that. So it's got to be tough on him. Yeah. And like his defenses don't ever give up 40. I saw some stat about his defense, how many times the defense has given up that many points. And it was like maybe once in his career and it had given up over 40 points. And I mean, some of that defense, and I know we sort of got past that, but I think some of the defense's problem was also (laughs) just on the offense. They were just on the field a ton. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. offense couldn't help out in that area to help, uh, keep them fresh, and uh, I think we just gassed. Although, like you said, we did look a little better in the second half. Yeah. yeah. Well, it was just it was rough all around. But uh, thanks for Bob Drew. We appreciate it. Um, you got anything coming that people should look forward to this week? 
No, I'll have a, uh, I'm going to be talking a little basketball. So I'm yeah. going to give, uh, I got a couple more basketball previews going and uh, talk a little bit about football sort of moving forward. I'm trying to keep a positive outlook and looking for the uh, positive things. So <laughs> if you don't want to read about that, and I understand why some people might not to, you might want to skip it. But I'm going to try <laughs> to look on the bright side of things. Yeah. yeah. All right. Yeah. And just before we go, a quick update, because uh, we're we're recording this Sunday morning. And the news just came out. K State's going to play at Baylor at six o'clock on ESPN two next weekend. So prime time game for some reason. Uh, there you go. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks Baylor. for coming on, Drew. Appreciate it. No, yeah. No problem, man. Yeah. Take Baylor. it easy. Enjoy your uh, holiday week. Mm-hmm. Yep. You too. All right. All right, man.